Aloha. We are so excited for you to listen to the Altered Podcast. Mahalo. Welcome to the Altered Podcast, where we honor God and the things he does. With your hosts, Hunter, Jessica, Finn, and Dina. Welcome to the Altered Podcast, where we honor God and the things that he does. And the only place that doesn't listen to the Altered Podcast is in Hawaii. So we're trying to branch out to our viewership. Mahalo. Aloha. <laughs> Live kokua. Hola, como estas? <laughs> Muy bien, y tú? That's, a, that's a, the extent of my knowledge. Ah, uh, there you go. Yeah, you know, it's been a good week. We uh, It's been a good week before Easter, Holy Week. We spent Holy Week in Hawaii. Yes, it was awesome. Yes, we went on a family vacation to we, Hawaii during spring break. We did. You know where I went? Where'd you go? To church every day. Good job, I'm proud of you. I was tired. <laughs> yes, there you go. So... Welcome to the Alter Podcast. We're sitting here with Jessica, Ben, Dina, and myself. Aloha. And Alyssa's driving her little car around the house. She is. So if you hear, it's cool. She's going beep, beep. Smack, smack. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So last week we had two podcasts. You're welcome. And well, actually, yes. And then we had, uh, what was it? Good Friday. Mm-hmm. And we had just a leading up to... Uh, Kind of Holy Week. We have to explain through Holy Week. So this week, we're going to finish this off with the resurrection. Yep. A.K.A. Easter. Hunter, I have a question for you, though. I don't have an answer. You, Yeah, you do. Uh, you got to preach on Good Friday. How'd it go? It went good. What'd yeah. you talk about? Um, well. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the cross. Nice. Uh, yeah, so we talked about um, how you cannot be on the fence when it comes to the cross. Mm. You either have to... Uh, go embrace it, or you don't embrace it at all. There's no, there's no halvesies. That's yeah, that's a good point. So yeah. uh, either you accept it or you don't. And there's going to be a lot of people who admire it from afar, but they will not go to heaven. Good point. And you know me, I like to be blunt. Yep. I, it's good. It's good. So, awesome, man. It's like my grandmother used to say: plain English is best understood. That's true. She was right. You know what? I was really excited to hear um, Hunter talk about how his uh, friends at work have been putting Easter stuff in his office. And I want to say thank you, and you all are are my people. (laughs) Easter bunny stuff. Easter bunnies, in particular. Because you hate the Easter bunny. I'm not a fan. Well, there you go. You like Jack Landers. He stole my car. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure that wasn't the Easter bunny. Felonies. (laughs) Felonies. Oh, well, what can you do? All right, so... What has God done for you this week? Well, he got me to Hawaii and back, and it was awesome. You did lose your luggage, though. <clears throat> we did lose our luggage. Only for like 36 hours. We, we accidentally prophetically spoke that one, so <laughs> it had to happen. But yeah, it happened. So yeah, we, we lost our luggage, and we got it back. Um, we got to see one of four green sand beaches in the whole world. That was awesome. Um, and we survived the trip to the Green Sand Beach. We did. You have to hike down a cliff. That was cool. <coughs> and ride in the back of someone's sketchy truck. Oh, that's true. That, that thing now, that dude, that was, he was a cool dude, I will say. 
He was. He, I felt like the others if, were a little. Scared. If there's anybody that could four wheel drive me out to a beach three and a half miles away, through like I did feel like he was. Yeah, an he was. He was the one. Yeah, he was definitely an expert. So it's cool. That's what God did for us. Oh, I will say. So I got to talk about Jesus to two different people on two different planes. Well, one was not on a plane; the other one was. Um, but uh, there's this one girl sitting beside me at one point while we were on a layover and we were just chilling, and I, she looked like she was like 15, right? So I'm like, what I wanted to ask her was, "Where are your parents?" But I didn't. What I said was, <laughs> "So are you flying towards home or away from home?" And she said, "Well, kind of neither." She was in the Marines. Oh. And I was like wait a minute, you're in the Marines? She's like, yeah, you probably think I'm way too young to be in the Marines. I was like, actually, yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. And she's like, everybody says that. Apparently, I look really young. I was like, so you're a Marine? She's like, yep. I'm like, well, thank you for your service. And then we proceeded, and I don't know how the subject came up. I want to say she asked me what I did for a living. I told her I was a pastor. It's not what I do for a living, I guess, but I told her I was a pastor. And she was like, oh, okay. And we talked about it for a minute and talked about Jesus. That was cool. And then there's this other girl that was on a plane that I rode beside all the way from Chicago to Phoenix. Um, shout out to Megan. If I mean, probably she may not be listening to this, but that's okay. Did you okay. tell her about the podcast? I don't know if I did or not, but I did tell her about Jesus for a little She's bit. She's probably not listening then. Uh, probably not, but I did tell her about advertising, Jesus. Advertising, 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 Ben. Come on. I was advertising our Lord and Savior is oh, what I was true. doing. All right. So, but we talked about that for a little bit, so that was cool. Um, so, yeah, it's a good time. Jessica, what happened? What did God do for you this week? So nothing. Got it. No, 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 life is good. That's that's what God did for us. <laughs> nothing bad happened. Yeah. That's true. Our houses didn't get blown away during those storms that were here while you all were gone. Mm. Yeah. Were they bad? Oh, Was it my bad? lordy. Wow. Yeah. yeah Worse than the other one? No, actually. I'm pretty sure it. Lieutenant Dan was swinging around this house somewhere <laughs> in the <a> storm. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, we're just, I think we're starting to see... Uh, fruit in our ministries at church um, and things like that. I think that's just the biggest thing. Prayers coming through, um, decent opportunities at work. Just like she said, life is good. Mm. And it's always good when, even in the rough times. Mm-hmm. Mentality. That's right. So, you know what time it is? You it's didn't, time you for. Didn't ask me. What? He spoke for both of you. No, he, I didn't. Yeah, I, he did. He this, said, is this is 2023. No, here's what you said. I he get, said. That is what God did for us this week. Well, but he's glad that I didn't make it back. I am glad that she made it back. All right, Dina. What did God do for you this week? So I got to be a real, Ben met cool people. And then I got to meet a really cool person on the way to Hawaii. Uh, There was this lady and uh, I got to talk to her. She was really nervous about her flight. And she had been talking about how she was really hoping that she sat down next to somebody who would be super nice. And we just sat down and chatted for like half of the flight. And it was so good. And then um, we ended up exchanging phone numbers and now we text. Oh, nice. Dina made a plane, buddy. I did. So shout out to Nidra. Nidra? You never told me what her name was. Okay, cool. Well, now you know. Did you tell her about the podcast? I think so. I'm. So, I'm gonna text her. We're gonna. Link. We're gonna have to have a class <laughs> <laughs> on marketing this thing. It's like so. she's got a pen pal, except it's not letters anymore. It's yeah. 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 A text pal. Yeah. Now you know what it's time for. <sighs> what? An, an ad from our sponsor. Hit it. And thanks for coming back from that ad break. Or a pause break. 
Pause break. Hold on oh, just a second, everybody. I got a question. Do you? Do they celebrate Easter in Hawaii? Yes. Of course they did. I mean, you don't know. I took a picture of Assemblies of God Church. Of course they celebrate Easter in Hawaii. Yeah, and they were advertising Easter egg hunts everywhere. With like little church services afterwards. Was there Easter bunnies in there? Does the Easter bunny make well, it to Hawaii? Well, they do have random... Did they have random bunnies? I mean, they had random... Like outdoor bunnies? No, I didn't see a single bunny. Outside. Now, they do have uh, chickens that run loose, wild, and goats in Hawaii. And we found the last day we were there, we went and ate at this breakfast place that was on the beach in Waikiki. And uh, we were walking out and I see this chicken and I see little babies. And so uh, my cousin Debbie and I went over and uh, took pictures of the little baby chickens. Yep. They also have mongoose, mongooses, mongooses, mongoose, whatever. They have them. There's a mongoose running across the road. Apparently, they're an invasive species, but there's a ton of them. So, there you go. Well, they got them to uh, take care of the mice problem. Mm. So, so. Now we'll jump into our text. If you are driving, please do not turn, open your Bible because that is dangerous. Do not read your Bible and drive. Just read it when you get home. There you go. We'll yep. read it to you. <laughs> and so we're going to go to John chapter 20. So remember, this is after <coughs> after the garden. This is after Jesus was betrayed. This is after the Last Supper. All this up into the crucifixion. Um, so the crucifixion was at the place of the skull. I think that is what John 19 says. <clears throat> and so, or Golgotha, or I think that was translated into Latin as Calvary. And that is three quarters of a mile away from the judgment seat of where Christ was hmm. um, sentenced by Pilate. And the path that he traveled was the path of sorrow. Um, that's what they call that. <clears throat> and so they had people... <coughs> Um, they had people standing on the aisleway or the path, the edges of the path, like it was some weird parade. Uh, but the whole, the whole point of that is so Rome can say, Hey, look, this is what happens when you try to disobey Rome. That, that is the pure way that Rome had their thumb on them. So the crucifixion was tortured for the crucifix. (laughs) (laughs) The victim and the watchers. It was torture for both. Um, so, Jesus being flogged, we talked about all that, right? So go back and listen to this. Then they would nail, um, they they would get to the place of the skull and they would lay him down on this cross members and they would nail his wrist or forearms to the the cross members and then they would lift up with the four Roman soldiers that are there and then they would nail his feet into the cross um, once he's lifted up. And this was for the sole purpose of him being able to lift up to breathe in and sag down, uh, or sag down to breathe in, lift up to breathe out. Um, and so some scholars believe that there was a piece of wood under his heels, not to for Jesus' comfort, obviously, but it was to prolong his death. They wanted him to suffer even more. Mm-hmm. Um, so some crucifixions had this piece of wood, some didn't. So we don't know exactly which one Jesus went through. But through all that, Christ suffered in these ways. Um, actually, some believe that the nails were so large that it would break the tendon connecting your shoulder to your wrist so that he would have no functions of his, no helps of his biceps to help pull him up. It was all in the back in his leg muscles. Oh, wow. So after he was flogged, the whole point 
is is that his back is shredded to the bone, and now he has nails in his feet, and that's all he's breathing with huh. is his legs and his back. I didn't know that. Wow. So some people believe that. Some people, if you missed it, you had you just prolonged the death. You just suffered even longer because that's why they would break people who get uh, crucified's legs. Mm-hmm. You can't breathe anymore. Yeah. You just suffocate. Yeah. Um, finally, that though I did learn that when they pierced his side and water gushed out, they think that it was because his heart swell, swelled so bad mm-hmm. that the sack around his heart filled with water because it was just so much pressure. Yep. So all that all that suffering has happened and taken place. And then Christ died. Christ gave up his life, right? Um, and now we're here. Yep. So, Dina, if you want to start reading. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. All right, right there. So, this is the only gospel that mentions that particular part the 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 cloth folded mm-hmm. and why is that does anybody know because the cloth <clears throat> when you stood up from the table and you were finished you folded the napkin you laid it on the table as a symbol that you were done right so it was a symbol to the servants mm-hmm. that they uh, uh actually i don't know I, I heard something different okay um and it was from Fody Bakum, I think it was. Mm. But he said it was a sign to the servants that I'm coming back. Don't touch my plate. Really? Said, yeah. So, oh, okay. And so John, that's why John was kind of like, hey, like that, that stands out to me because he's coming back. Mm. Um, so somebody fact check us because we're getting two different, two different thoughts there. So what I'm seeing online, it says that a wadded napkin means I'm finished and a folded napkin means I'm coming back. Yeah. Oh, well, then somebody who ever taught me that taught me wrong. Well, thank you, (laughs) Vody. Yeah. So, but yeah, so, but John and what was his dad's name? Zebedee? Zebedee. 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 We're getting there. James Uh, and John, the sons of Zebedee. Yes. Zebedee Uh, doo (laughs) da. So... They had servants, because if you, we learned that whenever they went on, uh, James and John went on to be of Jesus, Zebedee was like, okay, the servants will take your place mm-hmm. um, to help him fish and take up care of the house. And um, So they were the only ones that grew up with servants, as far mm-hmm. as we know. So mm-hmm. they would know this was a, a sign to them, hey, the master's coming back, mm-hmm. uh, even though he just told them 16,000 times that he's coming back and they still didn't believe. Well, how many times did they go, what? Like, (laughs) so, so that is very interesting. And that's the only gospel that has this here because that's the only that, that should make sense that John's like, Hey, I know what this means. Mm. Other people's like, yep. Makes no sense. Like that makes no sense to me. Well, I know the two that would have, would have been there who would have seen it. Right. Definitely would have made, would not have made sense to Peter. probably. Right. Keep going if you'd like. All right. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb, is that where I was at? Yeah, verse 8. Yeah, 
Okay. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb and she wept. She stooped to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting there or sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbanite. Rabboni, (laughs) I always get that, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to the father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, (gasps) I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. Can we keep going? Now you wait there. there. So, yeah. So lots of text there, lots of things going on. You had uh, James and, I'm sorry, you had John and Peter race to the tomb. John got there first because he's faster. I love that he just points that out. He's just like, <laughs> I made it first, but I stopped and I waited. And Peter just ran on in because that's what Peter does, right? He jumps into the fire regardless of what's happening. Well, and I think the fact that instead of just like lightly jogging, that shows that they were seriously trying to get there as fast as they could. Yeah, they were booking. Whether they left their friend behind or not. Yep. So they run, and they get there, and they do the stuff, and then they leave. But Mary stands outside the tomb weeping. It's interesting. Mary's always the one, if you look through the book of John, Mary's always the one that kind of lingers around Jesus. When she should be doing something else, she's, she's chilling with Jesus. And so it's interesting that Mary's the one who lingers after they all leave and weeps at the tomb. And so Mary's the one who gets this angelic visitation, we'll call it. Yeah. Keep going if you would like. All right. On the evening of that day, the first of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now, Thomas, one All of right, the... I'll stop oh, there. okay. <laughs> so, why did the um, disciples need to see the, these markings of Jesus? I think to prove that it really was him, that it wasn't some sort of trick. Well, and I mean, they just saw him die a horrible, gruesome death. Um, Jesus was beaten beyond recognition, and now he's standing there. Do you still think he looks unrecognizable? No, I don't. I don't think he looks like he's beaten up anymore, you know. And so you look at Jesus, and you're like, wait, I just saw you beaten, crucified, dead. So the question is, does Jesus look like himself? Because they don't recognize him. But see, but John is the only one that witnessed those accounts, not any other disciple. John was the only disciple to witness the crucifixion 
That's true. So that's why it's interesting to me that John would know what he w- looked like, but not anybody else. So it's like, in what sense of doubt did they have? Did they just think, that, well, it's impossible for somebody to come back from the dead? Um, so that they truly not believe the words of Christ. I think that's where I, I would, when I read this, but everybody has such a different thought when they come to this conclusion. Well, I mean, think about it too, in a way, like if, uh, Ben told you that he was going to die and come back to life, would you believe him? No, but I've never seen Ben bring Lazarus back to life either. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of things here. Like, but we see this over and over again in in Scripture that they just get done feeding five thousand people, mm-hmm. and then they forget bread. And they're like, "We're going to starve!" It's like it's big, Jesus. Literally over and bread. over again, you're like, "Oh my gosh!" So, <clears throat> well, the interesting thing about it is, I mean, even in Acts. Acts are standing there, and Jesus ascends into heaven, right? And they just stand there and stare up into heaven. But before that happens, what's funny about it is Jesus is like, um, they say, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? That's that's Acts chapter 1, verse 6. So he's he's been raised. He's done all the stuff. Jesus says, uh, you heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And he tells them to wait for this promised Holy Spirit to come. This is Acts chapter 1. Um, and the very next thing that they say, so they've seen Jesus die, come back from the dead. He spent a, a good amount of time with them at this point. I want to say, isn't it uh, 40 days and 40 nights? Uh-huh. So he spent 40 days with them. And then Jesus is like, okay, now you're going to go to Jerusalem and you're going to wait for the promised Holy Spirit. And the very next thing they say, even after the resurrection is, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel or the kingdom to Israel <laughs> at this time? They still don't get it. Right. And Jesus is about to go and be like, go and ascend into heaven. They don't understand. And they don't understand <clears throat> in John chapter 20 either. Like well, they don't And get what's it. the whole thing of John too, though? If you read John, the disciples look like idiots over and over yep. and over. That's how I believe the gospels are truth. Right. Because if I was writing a book about how the altered podcast was going, yep. We would never say anything dumb. Oh, no. No, we would be the greatest thing since sliced bread. Right. Uh, but <coughs> if I'm writing to try to tell people about the God, like the Messiah, yeah. they're being 100% honest. Mm-hmm. Like, we are idiots. Yep. Um, all four accounts. They all look terrible. And so you said something interesting. What's that? So he breathed. Mark it down, ladies and gentlemen. I said something interesting. He, he breathed <laughs> on, on them. Yes. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. Yes. Then, like you mentioned in Acts, Go and wait for the promised Holy Spirit. So what's the difference? So, <clears throat> um, okay, so I did. <laughs> so was it like, or. <sighs> Sorry, everybody, if who's listening in the car for about that. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> no. All right. Um, so we do believe that there's two separate instances of the Holy Spirit. There is the Holy Spirit that seals you for the day of redemption. And there's the Holy Spirit that fills you up and baptizes you later, right? That's what happens in the book of Acts. And so in the book of Acts, it says the Holy Spirit settles on them like tongues of, of fire. And then they go out and they start speaking in languages of the people. So there's all these different nationalities represented. And every one of them hears in their own language. Now, you could argue that's a miracle of hearing, that they all spoke in tongues. Some could argue that they just spoke in the languages of those people. We don't know. What we do know is that... <clears throat> the Holy Spirit falls on them and they start speaking in other languages. And so when Jesus says to receive ye the Holy Spirit and he breathes on them, we would more liken that to this idea that they are now sealed with the Holy Spirit, that they now believe. 
what happens with the, the wording, I think, is really important. When Jesus says, go back and tell them, um, he says to Mary, he says, do not cling to me. This is verse 17. Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. <clears throat> and so what he's saying there then is basically you believe in God, right? You're, you know, like this is a thing. Um, and then he comes and he shows them the marks on his hands and the mark in his side, all the stuff. The point being, they believe at this point that Jesus is the Messiah, that he's raised from the dead. And so now they have the, 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 the Holy Spirit that seals them for the day of redemption. Hmm. And because there's, oh, you can, you can Google a lot of pastors that have so many different theories on the Holy Spirit and what we just talked about. Mm -hmm. You know, so that is, um, I would in turn agree, agree with what you said. So um, it is a, it is a, such a complex thing. Mm -hmm. But the, so there's something interesting though with what the, when the Holy Spirit came in Acts, they're not so dumb anymore. Yes. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Wisdom is bestowed upon them. Yep. Boldness is bestowed upon them. I mean. Peter has, is speaking like he's never spoke before, mm -hmm. has bonuses talking to, you know, Pharisees in the temple, like, yep. and is speaking truth, and he's, he's an understanding. He has um, an understanding of what's going on, where here you're like, they don't, they seem still a little confused. Yeah. But the Holy Spirit, if you notice, and even in our lives, we'll be talking to somebody, and you just, you just have this, this peace and this, somehow this wisdom just starts falling out of you, and you're like, I don't even remember what I said. Mm-hmm. So kind of the same principle. Yep. So, yep. Keep going. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus <clears throat> came. Pause. <clears throat> Sorry, we we skipped over one thing. What? And it's very Catholic, so I feel like we have to mention it. <laughs> verse twenty-two. Receive the Holy Spirit. It, oh, I'm sorry. This is verse twenty-three. <clears throat> if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Hunter deal. What does that mean? Does that mean that I can withhold the sins, like the forgiveness of sins from people? No. <laughs> yeah, it, it is so, that is such a, a large doctrine. Because um, what, what do the Catholics think in this regard? They are. That I can literally, like I could technically, if I'm a priest, I could yeah. condemn you to hell, not give you, not grant you the forgiveness of your sins. And you would go to hell. Lordy, I, we don't have time to unpack that one. <laughs> no, well, no, I just don't have time to. to <laughs> yeah, that is. It is so difficult in a sense of like, because you even have the same thought process inside of what is it, James? You know, um, if you do not, if you do not forgive others, where is it at? If you do not forgive others, then how is your the Father in heaven supposed to forgive you? Mm -hmm. um, Matthew, James, I can't remember what's that. But uh, so is that the same? Isn't that more Sermon on the Mount? Maybe, maybe Matthew. Maybe. But it's it's that same principle in the same. I think it's a heart issue, not the pastor issue. <laughs> Catholics, Catholics. <laughs> well, what would you take from that? Um, so I do think that there's an element of. It's just interesting that he does say, "If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld." That is a, that is an interesting statement from Jesus. Well, let's see what our study Bible says. What you got? What verse is that, 23? Uh, yes. It says, 
the apostles as the founders of the church and acting uh, and acting for it received the authority to declare God's judgment on sins and the means of the forgiveness of sins faith in Jesus uh, fundamentally this declaration is made in the preaching of the gospel the authority um, the authority the apostles receive is not uh, sacramental authority such as the ones that the Roman Catholic Church affirms and they have a uh, theological note called excommunication. So they're saying that this is a church function, not a spiritual function. Mm. That's what R.C. Sproul would say. Mm. But so, and I, and I don't know into what degree um, <clears throat> that is, because if if I don't forgive Ben, there's a sense of I'm robbing him of reconciliation. Mm. You see what I'm saying? So even though you, you can forgive me of a wrongdoing, and if I don't forgive you, I am withholding from you the ability to reconcile, which the Bible calls us to do. Mm-hmm. So I think, especially between believers, if we are believers and there's a problem, we should seek, both seek reconciliation, so the forgiveness of each other. And, we, and in that point, we both can reach forgiveness mm-hmm. because that's the goal. <clears throat> but if I don't allow that, I don't see you not being forgiven, not for you being charged for the unforgiveness. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I could see R.C. Sproul's point there that it is church discipline. Church discipline. That's kind of where I leaned on, like even before. So I actually agree with R.C. Sproul on something. Whoa. Mark it down, ladies and gentlemen. So, yeah, because I've never really had a thought <clears throat> because this is so like out there. Yeah. Um, I do think that there's an element of truth in that statement, um, but I do think it falls more to the idea of, <clears throat> again, it, it's, it's, you know, if somebody's not repentant anyway, um, there is this element, I, well, I think it's 1 Corinthians that says it, where you, um, you remove them from the fellowship of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Paul says it like this. He says, uh, hand them over to Satan that their flesh may be destroyed, but that hopefully their soul would be saved one day, right? And yeah. so there is this thought of, um, withholding the fellowship. So, I don't know. Well, and the thing is, is what we have lost, and one thing, don't freak out, one thing the Roman Catholic Church did have right to a degree was they had a handle on church discipline. Mm-hmm. Even though it was extreme and the, and the Father and the Pope have too much control, people in their church listen to the discipline. In the westernized world, it's like, okay, I'm going to go to another church. Mm-hmm. Well, there is no church discipline. And so we there has to be a new balance there. So Because what happens if we excommunicate somebody from the church? They go to the Baptist church down the street. See what I'm saying? They don't, yeah. They're not excommunicated. They're just not allowed to come back to our church. Right. So there's issues here. This is not how God designed the church to be set up, by the way. Yep. So yep. that's an issue. Yep. All right. <clears throat> Dana, continue. Sorry. Where was it? 24. Okay. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into the side into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. So, first off, he walked through a locked door. 
Yes. A little ghostbuster. Scary you know enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's not Thomas saying, Christ, I need to, I need to do this to you. But Christ is saying, Hey, come do this to me. Like he already knew what he said. Yeah. And he already knew what Thomas was dealing with. Mm-hmm. So we're starting to see this, you know, mentality of Christ right now. Well, and then it tells you, like, it makes me think too, <coughs> like he must have like a huge gash in his side for you to place your hand in my side. Well, I mean, it was a spear. I know, but like, I think sometimes when we see it on TV, it's like a paper cut. Yeah, that's true. On the old flannel graph back in the day, <laughs> um, it was a little like red line. A know? what? A flannel graph. You don't know what that is? No. You're so young. <laughs> so what it was, it was a flannel board, and you had flannel cutouts of Jesus, the disciples, whoever. Because flannel monster. will stick on flannel. Yeah, so you would put the flannel will it? on the board covered in flannel. It's called a flannel graph, and it was like little, and so you could teach Bible stories with this board, and you put little pictures of Jesus. Yeah, so disciples. you like walk the little people across and then go, okay, and then they were here, you know, and put it up you on the board. Put it on there and it stays through friction and, uh, and, uh, science things. Science, yeah. I'm amazed. That's, it's called a flannel graph. Every church that I knew of growing up back in the day had a flannel graph for Sunday school, and that's how they would teach Bible stories. We got to bring that back. <laughs> That's what you should do when you do kids' church down in the basement. There you go. When Jessica we, can make you a flannel graph. When we help out, we'll, yeah. we'll have a flannel graph. I'm sure you could probably buy one on eBay. <clears throat> I wonder if Amazon has them. Anyways. Goodwill. Yep. So, yeah. So, the, the and the, I said that on my Good Friday sermon, too, that it was not a, a welt like your a switch that your mommy used to hit you with. Mm. You know what I'm saying? These yep. were gashes. Yeah. Um, and so, this this spear was big enough and it was deep enough for it to pierce the sack that was bulging around his heart yeah to, to bust the water or the, or the fluid that was built up around his heart so thank you it's that deep mm-hmm. I mean, so just so question if he has all of these gashes and you said that the others didn't see him get crucified correct mm-hmm. could that be one of the reasons they didn't recognize him at first well, obviously they know of the gashes and they know of that. <coughs> but the question is, is we don't know because we obviously wasn't there and <coughs> it's not recorded for us to know how badly after the resurrection he still looks. Is there, like, is there some miraculous, but like he just appeared semi healing. <laughs> he just appeared in a locked room or walked through the door, whichever, but he just appeared in a locked room. I'm pretty sure Jesus is in his glorified state at this point. I but think, he still has gashes. I think the only marks he has are on his hands, feet, and Does side. he still have those in heaven? I don't know, but I just think it, in this particular instance, so it makes sense that as a proof to them that he is alive, this is the Jesus that I mean, died. Technically, he can do what he wants. He can. So yeah. making his well, wounds and, appear back. And here's the other thing, too, is is in a little bit, he's going to be on the road to Emmaus with two disciples that don't recognize him at all. He's He probably looks like a completely different person at that point. So in this glorified body, I would argue that Jesus doesn't look like the standard Jesus. Well, if you but if you remember too, we have instances of this in Jesus' life, like when he was living um, the first time. Did we? When he goes walking out on the water, Peter doesn't recognize him. He thinks he's a ghost. Well, that's true. Yeah, he freaks out. Even when he gets close, he's yeah. like, ah, like, get away, you ghost. Yeah. And so then he's like, it's me. Yeah, that's interesting. So... It, uh, I just think sometimes they're dumb. I, just, I mean, 
Well, and, and just they to be needed clear, glasses and they didn't know it. Well, it could be, but I don't think we would have done any better. Oh, 100%. like we give the disciples like a really hard time, but I don't, I would not have done any better. We don't do any better. And we have the Bible, the right. full complete word of God. And we're still stupid sheep. Yep. So like, I tell people that all the time when they talk about Adam and Eve, I'm like, you wouldn't have done any better. Yep. Like, so shut up. So I'm tired and I'm just not catching up to the bus, but can I go back for one more second to verse 23? No, just kidding. Oh, okay. Okay. You can. Okay. So verse 23, I do think that the reason why verse 23 exists, and I've always kind of thought this is I think verse 23 exists because I really think it hints at the, the significance of the mission. So right before that, if you look at it in context, <clears throat> he says, peace be with you as the father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. Then he seals them with the Holy spirit. Then he says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold, they will not be forgiven. I think it hints at this idea that the, the mission that they're on, the great commission, so to speak, um, is so intense that if you withhold, then people don't get to hear the message, right? That doesn't fit with Calvinist leanings quite, but I'm not a Calvinist, so I can say that. Um, so if you don't go, nobody gets there. And the Bible says, well, how do they believe without a preacher, right? right. So I really think that that's kind of what it gets back to. As I think verse 23 hints at the idea that if you go and you proclaim the, the message of the gospel, which is the forgiveness of sins in Jesus, people will be forgiven. But if you don't, it ain't going to happen. And then he's going to tell them here in a little bit, you need to go into all the world and claim the gospel, make disciples of all nations, baptize them. And with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now that's Matthew. That's the gospel, Matthew. How so well? if they, so if there's an instance where they don't share the gospel with somebody that they're supposed to, then is forgiveness held, withheld from them? I mean, if you don't get a chance to believe, then you don't get a chance to have your sins forgiven. I'm not just going to be sitting there and go, well, my sins are forgiven now. If I've never heard, right? Well, right. Is that their only chance? I feel like that's a loaded question. Just Cause because the Holy, the Holy somebody's going to be saved eventually. Because the Holy Spirit draws. <clears throat> but The Father draws, yes. Right. And the Holy, well, the Father calls, the Holy Spirit draws, and the Son atones for. Yes. So, sure. And... How does that happen by the anunction of the preaching of the gospel? Why does God use that? Because that's above my pay grade to decide why he uses the that. The Bible just says he does. Right. He uses it. So he uses us to do this. Yeah. <clears throat> but then the Holy Spirit draws. And you believe. I do. That the Holy Spirit draws everybody at least one time. Was poured out on all flesh. And the reason why it says all flesh is because that, yeah, I believe that the Holy Spirit draws all people. We, well, at least one time. And we, have, yes, and we have a responsibility to believe. to believe, yes. So it's just interesting with that, that because if somebody doesn't listen, but they don't feel that drawing or they were sick that day. <laughs> well, but I mean, it even goes back to the idea that it says that, <clears throat> like when, when in First Corinthians they're having the debate, and they're like, I'm a disciple of Paul, I'm a disciple of Apollos, I'm a disciple of Jesus, shut up. Um, <laughs> and uh, Paul makes the statement, he says, you know, like, I planted, Apollos watered, God was the one who gives the increase. Like, he's the one who gives the growth. He's the one who saves you. Um, I just think it's interesting that in the progression, right, like, somebody planted, and if nobody plants, there are no seeds being grown. Right. right? Somebody waters. If somebody doesn't water, the seed could die, right? Jesus is the one who gives the increase. So, I, I mean, I think it fits. I think, I think the, 
you know, the, the concept of if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven kind of thing fits that, that idea that we are going on this journey that Jesus commands us to go on to make disciples. Mm -hmm. But Jesus is the only one to forgive sins. Right. So I think he is <clears throat> in some ways kind of showing them that I'm giving you the authority that I had. So you need to go and proclaim the good news of the gospel, you know, the good news. So that are in some sense, like in this, these things we hear, mm -hmm. I can only think of one evidence in the Bible that would back this statement up. Such as? <clears throat> well, we'll get there. Like uh, a Muslim lady, and I just read a story about this. I think Pastor Chris shared it at church. Mm -hmm. um, a Muslim lady gets saved through a dream. Well, and that's true. Yeah, I've heard of that. So Paul mm -hmm. is the same, has the same gospel account. Mm -hmm. um, but he did hear Stephen. Yeah, right. Preach a whole message on it. Sure. And then he killed him. You know. <laughs> the hand motion got me. Just, uh, yeah. But, the yeah. And, uh, you know, you don't know if these people have heard the gospel before. <clears throat> but you, we've, hear, we've heard of... Heard, we heard, we've heard. We've heard of stories. Yep. No, we've heard of stories of people in desolate places never hearing the name of Jesus, having a dream That's true, of yeah. God. Yeah. Um, which would kind of remind me of a road of Damascus kind of story. Yeah, that's uh, true. Well, and in that case, Jesus is the one who preaches to them. Sure, they're they're getting the gospel. Yeah, is the point. Yeah, and if they reject this message, then you, you would say here that their forgiveness of sins are withheld. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. All right, Dean. You may now continue. I'm so sorry he interrupted you. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed or yet have believed. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. There you go. So as far as the text I feel like we're done with the text, for, but we're going to explain that part because Ben got excited when, he re when she read that. No, I, just, I was just saying there you go. Oh. Yeah. So the point is Christ was killed brutally, as we've men uh, mentioned many of times. Um, and through this, I think it's just funny how we can dig out some theological things in this when you're like, oh, this is interesting. This is really interesting. Um, so Christ is resurrected. Yes. When Christ is resurrected, what does that mean for you and me today? It means that we have the same chance to be resurrected as well. Right. Without Jesus being resurrected, there is no forgiveness of sins, right? And I don't get the chance to be resurrected either. Because the same power that rose Christ from the dead lives in us. Rose us from spiritual death. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's the, same, it's the same call that God uses. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> now... It solidified the covenant mm -hmm. that this is different. Your lamb had to be crucified. We talked about this last week on the podcast as well. That um, your lamb had to be crucified once a year when you took had it to on be the killed. It, it wasn't crucified. Yeah, but it's a, the, <laughs> the sacrificial lamb was crucifixions on the brain. Yeah, uh, had to be sacrificed on the day of Passover, yeah. uh, the day of atonement. Now, when this happened, the lamb didn't come back to life. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, it, that, that lamb that you transferred your sins onto and killed died. Right. Yes. And, it, and To appease the wrath of God, and it did not come back to life. And with Christ's resurrection, 
the blood's eternal because mm-hmm. he's still alive. Yep. The blood was shed, and now he's alive still. It is it is completely different in the sense of we don't have to keep crucifying Christ on the cross again. He doesn't have to come down every year and die a gruesome death. He would if he had to. That's how much he loves us. But he doesn't have to do that. Hey, I think that's in Hebrews chapter 6, right? Christ died one time and one time all mm-hmm. um, for the remission of sins. Yeah, so, and that if you... You know, you basically, you, you try to put Jesus on the cross again if you, yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Um, Go back to your sinful state. So in the sense, so this solidifies a covenant. And what does this new covenant mean for new for believers today? What's the difference of the old covenant and the new covenant? Why does this resurrection solidify this new thing? So the old covenant, and that's a great question. The old covenant <clears throat> is a covenant of cover-up. What happens is you sin, you transfer your sins onto an animal, and that animal dies to cover up your sin to atone, to be your propitiation, to satisfy the wrath of God. But you turn around and you stub your toe and say, because we're on the way home, guess what? You might as well not have sacrificed the animal because now you're just as sinful as you ever were before, right? right? You, get, you broke one law, you was guilty of breaking them all. Yep. So you, you sin over and over and over again, and you have to keep sacrificing animals um, to pay for those sins because the, the wages of sin is death. Right. Not so with Jesus. When you except that Jesus is Lord and Savior, that if you, when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, it is done. It's finished. And so you don't have to go back to Jesus and have him be crucified all over again. Jesus' sacrifice was enough one time. He took on the sins of the whole world to pay for all of them so that when we repent, we have forgiveness of sins. So question on that. Yes. When is sinning for a Christian... Um, too much in the sense. Oh, so you, we stub our toe. We say mm-hmm. a bad word. Yep. Um, guilty as charged, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're sin, you're sinful. Mm-hmm. Christ died for that sin. Yep. When do we get a, a First John chapter three moment like habitual sin? Mm-hmm. So can you can you kind of lay that out? Yeah. So First John, that's good. That's a good point. Good point. <laughs> first John chapter three says that if you continue sinning. That you're of the devil. The seed of the devil lives in you. Bobby Boucher. <laughs> Sin is the devil. Um, and and Hebrews says, beware lest you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin and fall away from the living God. It says that in Romans too. Does it? Yeah. I thought that was Hebrews. It uh, might be in both. Well, I'm, Dina, Google that real quick. I'm pretty what? sure that's Romans 1. Is that Romans 1? What? Beware lest you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin and fall away from the living God. I it's thought that was a Hebrew verse. Maddie, I am so tired. We're going to have to find out. Yeah, I'm tired too. Um, it's been a long, long day. And after flying back so from Hawaii. Keep, so keep going. But anyway, the point is, <clears throat> don't fall into this whole habitual sin thing. And here's the scary part, right? Matthew 24, 4. <laughs> we were both way wrong. Sorry, listeners. Um, we were both way wrong. But anyway, so what? what the Bible tells us is that um, and this is the scary part, right? When people are like, how far can I go? Well, the issue is, if you ever catch yourself sinning and you don't feel conviction of it, let me tell you one about me. I'll go ahead and confess this. <clears throat> I told a lie the other day. <gasps> I did. And you know what I didn't feel? Conviction about it. But then I did something else where I was mad at somebody, and it was so dumb. I was in traffic, and I was mad, and I was like, you're so stupid. I had a little road what rage. What was up with you in road I rage, get, dude? I get over, I, you know, tell you all the time, 
you shouldn't do that. I agree. And I felt <laughs> conviction about that one. Well, here's the thing about it, though. Afterwards, it hurt my heart. And it still does. Like, I still think about it. It hurt my heart that I didn't feel conviction over my lie. Uh-huh. But I felt conviction over my road rage, which means, obviously, there's a problem in my life somewhere because I didn't feel the conviction about lying. So, the point is this. When you stop feeling conviction over something, you've got a heart issue, and you need to change it because what happens if, let's just pretend for a second, that you get to heaven one day and Jesus goes, I never knew you. You, you did a whole bunch of stuff in my name, sure, but you never really understood the gospel. Right. You never really. So, First John chapter 3 talks about the fact that if you continue in sin, you're a child of the devil. Right. Um, and so you shouldn't. You shouldn't continue in sin. Matter of fact, what does the Bible say in the New Testament over and over and over again? The evidence that we are saved is that we follow Jesus' commands. Now, question. Yes. On the question. <clears throat> sure. Um, Continuing sin does not mean six years after my salvation, I stub my toe and I say a, a, a bad word. Mm-hmm. Um, that does not mean I'm of the devil. That means I'm of fleshly. My flesh wins, won that one, yeah. sadly. Well, Paul says, I, I do things that I know I shouldn't do, yes. and I don't do things I know that I should do. Yes. Even Paul struggled with that. Yeah. But, First John also teaches us that if we sin, it says, if we sin, we have a great advocate with the Father, which is Jesus Christ. Right. The righteous one, he is the propitiation for our sins. So, yeah, and First John chapter one says that if we say we don't sin, then there's no light in us, and we're of the devil. Yes, um, and so it also says that if we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from so all righteousness. So, where's the balance? The balance is you shouldn't sin, right? But and if if you do. Then go to God this, and confess your sins. And this is why we believe that adultery, you can't be saved and be an, adul- be an adulterous affair. No. Because you, you know it's wrong and you keep on doing it. Yep. You can't be saved and be homosexual yep. because you know it's wrong and you keep on doing it. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Um, you, you, a habitual you liar. Can't, I was going to say, you can't be saved to be a habitual liar. You can't be saved to be a habitual anything. Right. I don't get to murder children every like day. That. Yeah. And, and it'd be okay. Gossiper, glutton, anything. Yeah. yeah. So we use the murderer, homosexual, everything. Yeah. Those are the sins that the church holds hostage yeah. and lets every other sin run rampant. Right. But that's why I, I say we're, the, our, our church is serious on sin. I don't get to flip people off every day in traffic. I don't flip people off, by the way. I said I had a moment of road rage. I'm I not out like, here flipping what? people off. Um, I do. I do grumble. Right, I do drive and go. That stupid person. Why did they cut me off in traffic? Rah, 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 rah. Yeah, sometimes I'll tell <clears> him <throat> that he's being a grumble bumble bear. Yeah, he hates that. I do hate that. And then she scratches <laughs> me under my chin and goes, "Oh look how grumpy!" I'm like, "Chump." Anyway, um, <laughs> but the point is, sweet Lord, <laughs> I, hey, pray for me, right? Pray for me because I need help. Um, but the point is, we should not sin. Right. The point is, sin should hurt our hearts, and there is no, oh, well, it's okay. It's not okay. Right. Sin is not okay. Jesus died on a cross for sins. It's cosmic treason. It's cosmic treason, yes. Now, it is cheating on Jesus continually. If I cheated on Dina every day, she would stop forgiving me. Thank God that we cheat on him with sin sometimes, and he still forgives us. But that doesn't mean that we should continue doing it. It means it's serious enough that we should stop. And if we mess up, then we go to Jesus and ask forgiveness and try our hardest never to do it And again. if you don't stop and you don't ask for forgiveness and you're like, this isn't a big deal, then that's why we say, well, I would say, I know Ben wouldn't say this, um, 
are you saved in the first place? I would 100% say that. Right. Well, are you, you saved at all? Yeah. And so I would say, are you saved? Like, have you ever experienced Christ? Yeah. That's um, a very good question. To where, because if you knew of his goodness, you would not mm-hmm. be doing this. Now, there's times, like you said, we like you have habitual road rage. And um, I like... I, I get angry at stupidity. Okay. I was going to say, you call people stupid sheep. So do yeah. I. I get angry at the stupidity of I, drivers. I, get, I mean, just, just lack of common sense makes me upset. Um, yes. My wife is shaking her head. Yes. You know what really, I think, bothers both of us about that those things? It is injustice that we see in the world, right? Sure. It is unjust that you cut me off in traffic. <laughs> but the but, point is. but And the thing is, this is something that is probably in both of our prayer life and that we are working on daily. Um and I think as long as you have your heart is bent towards that, that's when I think you're okay. I think that's the middle. That's when your heart is bent towards fixing that. Yeah, yeah. it's bent towards the prayer yeah. and bent towards God. How do like please help me? Because it's only by your grace and your and your strength that I'm going to get over this. Yeah. And but, here's what I do find and, with that is it's better. Like it gets better. Like I don't have as much road rage as I used to. Right. Right. You know. Now, I've heard this, and I want to get your take. And I don't know if I agree with this. That some people are, uh, some people are, Dina's trying to sit back down. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> uh, so, some people are, like, I swear it sounds like she's tearing down my house. <laughs> uh, some people are, God, God does not give them the strength to overcome some sin to keep them humble. I've heard that from many. People. Oh, I don't believe that at and all. I, I, I'm like, mm, nope. Nope. I, I think that people people talk about that because of the whole Paul thorn in the flesh verse. Yeah. And he's like, I had a thorn in my flesh That's and I asked sin. God to take it away. That's not sin. I think that was a physical ailment of right. his eyes. Or I don't something. think that, I don't think Jesus is like, Oh, I'm gonna let you have this sin. Right. I, d- I just don't think that's it. And, well, they're like, well, my heart's bent towards the prayer, but God hasn't given me the strength to overcome it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this, like, I don't know if that's how that works. I don't either. I, I do think that it's okay to struggle mm-hmm. uh, because we all struggle. And, and I don't know where you stand on this either, so we're, we're, I'm just going to keep going. But I do not believe in perfect sanctification. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not believe that we can come to a place on this earth where we are perfect. Um because I think then when, as when we die and we, we meet Christ, that's when we'll receive that moment. So I think there will always be something we struggle with. Um, but that doesn't make it okay because sin is sin. Yeah. I will say this. <clears throat> I, I fall in kind of both camps because there are days when if I think about it enough, I realize the depravity of myself without Jesus. Right. So I think one day we'll get to heaven and we'll go, Wow. I can't believe that in this moment I was sitting here instead of whatever, right? right? Like my own depravity isn't, it's so deep and so like hard, like it's, it's just so immense that I don't know that I would ever be free of that completely. Yet, those sins that I struggle with on a daily basis, I think that they should be decreasing in measure sure. in a Christian life until they are gone, right? So like if... Let's use the one that everybody harps on. So if I watch pornography every day, right. that's a problem. Right. And eventually that thing should cease, right? Um, if I lie every day, eventually that thing should right. cease in my life, I think. Well, Luke 9 says, <clears throat> if you follow me, carry your cross. Yeah. And you'll let yourself die on it daily. Yeah. That means your old self is dying and a new self is being reborn. Yeah. And so we are called to carry your own cross. Mm-hmm. Christ 
carried it as a condemned convict, and we carry one as n- someone who is not walking in condemnation because the one who we follow carried the condemnation for us. Yeah. I think that's Romans 8 that says that we have no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a good, uh, I'm glad we discussed that yeah. because that is, that's important. And people always, that's that people always wonder that mm-hmm. we, and, and it's not the fact that what can I get away with? Yeah. But some will say, and you have some holiness out there. And I think you're, you're, uh, you come from some holiness roots, mm-hmm. uh, that if I get saved in church and baptized, and I, like you said, I stepped on a on a rock outside and I said a bad word and got hit by a bus, I'm dying and going to hell. Mm. I don't think that. Yeah. Um, but I do think that habitual sin in your life is evidence of the lack of salvation's fruit. Mm. Um, yep. Struggling with a sin here or there is a sign of your earthly flesh. Um, that when you get to heaven, you can punch Adam in the throat for, uh, but, and I think, I think you'll always struggle with some ailment, you know, what you, what you didn't struggle with in your twenties, you might struggle with in your forties. Um, and what you struggled with in your twenties, you might not struggle with in your forties. Well, and you're talking about struggle and you can talk about struggle and temptation and still not sin. Well, I'm just, talking about sinning in the general, like in the sense of like I'm struggling with the sin. Let's say, so let's say you have road rage now, mm-hmm. but when you're 60, you don't have road rage. Mm-hmm. But let's say that you're doing something completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, well, hopefully, it's yeah, I'm getting better. Right? Better, but I may be now. So, I may be tempted to sin. I, the struggle, the temptation to sin may be there. I've heard Tim Keller use it like this: is that, and, and so this might explain my point a little bit better. You should be a sanctification is the good theological term is, is walking with Christ, right? You're you're walking and you're growing in Christ mm-hmm. um, in your spiritual walk. You should be getting closer and closer to Christ every day. So well, hopefully by the time you're sixty, your road rage goes away. Mm-hmm. But something that w- today we would probably feel as petty mm-hmm. is breaking your heart, yeah, because you are growing in Christ so much that this is what's condemning you yeah. in your heart. You're you're feeling condemnation in your heart, and you're like, I need to stop doing this. Mm-hmm. If it's just the way that you talk to Dina before you drink your morning coffee, where uh, <laughs> I don't know that to be I'm true. I'm not looking at it. <laughs> I don't know that to be true. But let's just say we'll that. We just joke about it. Yeah. What's this, well, that starts breaking your heart. Where mm-hmm. today doesn't really bother you. <clears throat> that's yeah. called you growing in Christ. That's what I mean by that. There's always yeah. going to be something ailing your spirit that say, I should do better at this mm-hmm. because you're fleshly. Yeah. Um, but you should be growing in Christ every day. Does well, that make sense? Yes, 100%. Just what because you? you're tempted in your head doesn't mean that you have to act on it. Yeah. 100%. And that's, yeah. Yeah. Just to and Jesus was tempted, so we know that the temptation is not sin. Yeah, Hebrews 2 tells us that. Yeah. So I will say, and, and I do think this, um, and you can call me a heretic if you want to, um, but when you read the New Testament, I do think the New Testament teaches the gold standard is perfect sanctification. Like, People and people love to point at the Paul verse that I struggle, you know, I, I do the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things I do. But at the end of that, he says, but who can save me from this body of sin and death? Thanks be to Jesus Christ, our Lord. So I think the gold standard is yes, maybe, maybe one day, maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But it, it seems impossible to surmount that. Yeah. And I mean, for anybody, like for me, for anybody, I've never heard anybody who goes, oh, yeah, that's easy. Like, we, we can do that. <laughs> yeah. um, but when I read, just when I read the scripture itself, I do think that the gold standard is that we don't sin one day. I think that's what it calls us for. 
And what the scripture says, and be holy as I am. And I, th- and I think I that's mean, the goal. That's, yeah. And I think, it's a, I think it's a travesty when people teach that you can never attain that goal. Only because I think you look at scripture, and I think the gold standard of scripture says we don't, we don't do that anymore. So he says, be holy as I am holy, be perfect as I am perfect. Because mm-hmm. if you set yourself up for the next level down, well, yeah, if that's you're going to allow for. some sin. Right. If that's what I'm shooting for, if I don't think I can beat it, then I won't beat it. I mean, shoot, so I guess it's the mindset because I, I don't know if one can reach perfection on this earth. Actually, I would I could, I would probably argue that you can't. Well, and again, I I get more and more convinced of my own depravity every day. Right. But <laughs> at the same time, I think the gold standard of Scripture teaches me something else. So well, and, I don't know. So, and obviously, the will of God is for no one to sin. Yes, in the sense, you know, yeah. what I'm saying the, I, per, I the perfect so. will of God is that there's no sin in the perfect will of God. So, because Christ walked the perfect will and He didn't sin. Right. So, in some regards, it's like I strive, but I fall short of the uh, of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Um, we all have, mm-hmm. and oh, we hundred percent have. And, and I mean, First John, like I think, and I think that's the point of that verse is if we if we think that we are without sin, then we are totally off base, right? So like, my and we my need just my thought process is if Paul can't re- uh, obtain this, someone who has way more faith than you know, and but did Paul through, obtain it? But I, it seems like he didn't. Or did Peter? Or did any of you know but what I mean? They also were killed before. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> they were forty. Like so, yeah. I mean, you're like. Oh, yeah. They may have been a little older than that, but they were killed. Like, yeah. We're hopefully to live a lot longer than they did. Yeah. So we have a more of an opportunity. But in the same sense, like these people saw Christ and mm-hmm. they saw him and they they saw miracles and they walked with him and were taught by him. And I don't, they didn't attain this mm-hmm. perf- perfection, but they also didn't have a lot of time either. So there's a caveat to that. I just, I see flesh not allowing like not allowing you to be perfect because your flesh is still tainted in sin. You have a sin nature that Christ did not have. Mm-hmm. You have you were born in the sin and you're and you have a, a will. This is why I people going to email us now. I don't necessarily believe in a free will because your will is never free. Your will is either bent towards sin or it's bent towards God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in my regard when your will is bent towards God, you still have a sin nature your heart is just bent towards God now. You can realize that, hey, I sinned. I need to pray. I need to work on this. So in some level here, I don't I don't think your sin nature ever goes away because that's part of the curse that Adam brought. And so it's hard for me to say that we can negate that entirely because I see that in the narrative of Scripture as well. That's why we needed the Savior, um, and I see that with the disciples. But it is such a hard thing because I do agree with you that Scripture calls us to be this. Yeah, like the gold center of Scripture teaches that I should. So, yeah, so I don't know. And I mean, it, yeah, do with it, listener, as you see fit. But I think the gold standard is, you know, we live for Jesus. We'll strive for perfection. And we strive for perfection. And it may be possible. And it may not be. But and shoot for it anyway. See what happens. My, and so to finish off our conversation of what Christ came and what does the resurrection mean, to us, mm-hmm. um, I think it comes from Hebrews chapter two, mm. um, and so we'll. In the tippy top of that says the, this kind of the summarization is called the founder of salvation, and it says starting in chapter two verse five, for it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which he uh, which we are speaking, it has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the sons of man that you care for him? 
You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have uh, crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subject to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of suffering, the suffering of death, so that by grace, so by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. So that is the gospel. That is why Christ came. This is the new covenant. Mm -hmm. That God himself was made lower than the angels for just a little while so that he would die the subject of death for everyone in the regards that that sanctification to many is made possible through him. And the ones who believe in him and receive sanctification all come from one source, that is God himself. And in that regards, he calls those many brothers. And that's how you go to heaven. That is how you commune with God. The whole point of Christ's resurrection is solely for the point of if you go to Genesis chapter 3 or chapter 2 and you watch what happens in uh, with Adam and Eve and God is walking in the cool of the garden with Adam and he is communing with his creation. The whole point of Christ's resurrection is to fix that state back, mm -hmm. to have communion with his people. It reconciled God with his creation. And so is, the, is reconciliation occurred? Yes, and to come. It has happened, and it's going to happen. Just like we say, are you sanctified? Yes, and to come. I will be fully sanctified when I go to heaven. Are you glorified? Yes, and to come. Right? So we're all, are you saved? Yes, and to come. So Christ's resurrection reconciled, yes, and to come, his creation, his people to him. Because we have communion with him, but we don't have the full communion with him like Adam did, but we will one day. That was the whole point. That's what. That's why he set that plan in motion. Yep. All right. Last question. And I think, I feel like we have to address this one. Just this one. And then we're done. Could Jesus, after having studied the, the crucifixion account like you studied it, could Jesus, as some people have claimed, have passed out on the cross, and they took him down thinking he was dead, but he wasn't. And then he gets laid in the tomb and wakes up and is like, wow, I'm alive. <laughs> but he never actually died. No. Why? Um, for the sole fact, he said, it is finished. He <clears throat> gave his account up. First off, <laughs> first off. He got stabbed with a spear in the heart. Okay, <laughs> number one. So he didn't just pass out. That yeah, we're, we're gonna go with that. We're not gonna go with it is finished. We're gonna go with that. But the th I, and, and so for people who believe the scripture to be true, mm -hmm. Jesus didn't just die of natural causes. Mm -hmm. Jesus gave himself up. He said, "My life is over. What I've came to do is done. I've received the wrath of God for you. I've 
I never sinned, but I, all the sin of the world has been transferred to me, imputed to me, so that you will never experience the wrath of God. The only people who understand what Jesus went through on the cross are people who are damned in hell right now. That is the only people ever to experience what Jesus went through. Not that they died by crucifixion, <clears throat> but they died bearing the wrath of God. So whenever people talk about uh, the verse that says, I do not subject my children to, uh, I do not appoint my children to wrath, and they think that we're going to miss out on the tribulation because of that. No, he did not appoint his children to wrath based on what Christ did on the cross, his judgment to, for our sins, because he bore our sin on the cross <clears throat> and he died the sinner's death after he committed no sin so that he would again appease the wrath of God. <clears throat> now, he said it is finished because that work is done and he gave his life away. At that point, he was dead. He did not do that and then pass out. But the logical reason is he got stabbed in the heart. So, <laughs> so yeah. That is that is one of the logical reasons, yes. Anybody else? Anybody have any thoughts on that? That's ten percent. Let's get it. Well, was you gonna ask him any other thought on that any question? Any other thought on that question? <clears throat> I don't think there's any way that he could have just not been dead. Why? Well, like you all said about the stabbing and everything else and everything else that he went through. Yeah, I mean so. So we forget too that Jesus was beaten within an inch of his life. Right. Um and, and if you read the accounts of, of Roman whipping, I mean it's 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 braided cords with, we talked about this in one of the other podcasts, right. lead balls on the end and little pieces of bone that basically would have completely torn his back open. At some point, you lose so much blood that most people die but from blood loss. And if you don't, you get extremely thirsty because your body's trying to replace the liquid that it's lost. We see that when Jesus says, I'm thirsty, and they gave him a drink on a sponge. Um, so that alone right there almost killed him. Then you put him on a cross on top of that. And of course, Jesus is going to die quickly. Right. right. Um, so let's just pretend that Jesus does get up from the tomb and he does appear to the disciples. Now we've said he had the marks in his hands and on his side and all the stuff, but Jesus beaten with, within an inch of his life, unrecognizable as a man, because he's so swollen and beaten and bruised and he's been crucified and all the stuff. Does Jesus walk into the disciples hanging out and go, I'm alive. And they're just like. You know what I mean? Like, they just believe <laughs> that he was, no, no. no. They're like, no. let's find you a doctor. Yeah, because mass trauma doesn't allow you to just get up after three days and be like, I'm fine, guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's not a savior you want to follow at that point. Right. He's a man you want to get medical help for. <laughs> right. If he can even do anything in the first place. So yeah. I just think it's totally. Yeah, never mentions them saying, you need to go to the doctor or anything. Well, no. listen, and the, so crucifixion came from the pal the the uh, Palestinians and the Persians at that time. That's where who started crucifixion. It started before that, but yeah. Yeah, well, they made it popular yeah. to their massive criminals. The Romans perfected it. And the yeah. Romans perfected this art, and not of an art of killing, but an art of torture yeah. that led to death. Um, and in turn, when they did this, when they were done with you, after they got done watching you suffer, they'd break your legs. Mm -hmm. And then, then you were done. I mentioned that earlier. Guess whose legs they didn't break? Jesus, because mm -hmm. he was dead before they, they broke the other twos. Yeah. They didn't break Christ yep. because Christ was dead before the other two. Yep. So at the end of the day, the Romans knew when somebody was dead, they crucified tons of people. 
if there was somebody who I would trust still to this day on this earth to find to tell me if somebody is dead or not, it's the Romans mm-hmm. because they did it. They killed more people than anybody. Well, and, and just to make sure, they stabbed him in the heart with a spear. <laughs> right. So I mean, <laughs> just saying, nobody's going to look at Jesus after all that and be like, "He's uh, fine." And I think that now that question's been asked. This question has to be asked. Was Christ on the cross and then was replaced with somebody else? No. No. Which, I mean, that is the Mormon theory, right? That Jesus came off the cross and replaced himself with someone else. Because No Mormons listen to this. We've made them mad a long time ago. Probably. <laughs> but, I mean, the Son of God can't die is the theory. Right. But that is that is the thing. Was the still, Son of God has to die. He was a hunt, That was the mission. Yeah. If there's any other way, let this cup pass before yeah. me. There's not. There's not. Christ had to die because if Christ did not, if Christ brought somebody else to the cross, we then we're no, still dead in our sins. We have no hope. Yep. So yes, last ten percent. Then go. Yep. No, no way. No way that Jesus gets mistaken for a resurrected person. After all that stuff, Jesus had to have died on the cross. Most historically proven thing ever. This this theory has made its resurgence over and over and over again in time that Jesus came down off the cross. They even have a tomb for him in India. Did you know that? It's not. Yep. They say that Jesus fled to India after this, and and then he lived the life, and then he died. And there's a tomb for him um, and a little shrine. There's no way. There's no way that a man who suffers all that stuff survives. Jesus was dead. Dead, 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 and was resurrected. And then he appears to over 500 people at one time. Like, there's lots of proof that Jesus was resurrected. So, anyway, that's my last 10%. Uh, My last 10% is just, like, whenever you read the resurrection story, it just puts you in your place, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) self-check. Yeah. And you realize, oh, my goodness, like, all those sins that I've done and probably I'm going to do, unfortunately, like he died for that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like back in the day, whenever they had to do the sacrifices with the little cute little lambs and everything like that, like you got reminded every year that whenever you sinned, you cause this poor little animal to suffer, you know? And I think sometimes whenever people talk about the resurrection, the crucifixion of Jesus, they don't get what really happened. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like this fairy tale almost. And so, um, I, we encourage you to read through that and just do some self-checking with that. Jessica, you have the last 10%. I feel like everything's been Everything's been said. It has. Uh, I think my last 10% is is that the point of resurrection is to redeem God with his creation. That is the whole point. He took it from the law to the covenant of grace again. Um, And God's intention was grace, 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 until he had to bring down the law. It's like a dad. He's like, I've told you. (laughs) And then he brought it out again through him, son, through himself. I made a promise with myself that I'll never do this again. Um, And you can't break it because it's with myself. You know, if I made a promise with myself or my wife, let's say my wife, uh, that we're going to do something for Lily, there's nothing that Lily can do to break the break the promise that I made to my wife because she had nothing to do with it. 
It's my wife and I who will bring that to fruition. Same way with God. There's nothing we can do to break this covenant. You're either in it or you're not. And ultimately, it's between God and, him, and his son. Um, that's who the covenant was made with. So that is why Easter is my favorite holiday. Hmm. So, Even though you hate Easter bunnies. Because that's not what Easter's about, Ben. <laughs> All right. Hit the music there. You know which one? The Hunter's Random Question. How many of these do we have left? You know, this is actually, this is episode 30. This is episode 40. I don't know. Because. So is this the last one? This is the last one. Random question. <gasps> because, yes, because Holy Week Part 2 was episode 39. Ah. This is episode 40. So this is the 10th one. And then Dina will do something dumb. What? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, wait a minute. Hunter's random question. If you could choose one genre of music to listen to the rest of your life, if you flipped a channel to something else like other genre of music, you'd die on the spot. (laughs) What would that music be? Jessica? Gospel. Oh, my goodness. Well, K-Love. Well, whatever K-Love plays. It's so okay. It's Christian music. Ben? If, I, if that was it, if I had one genre of music, Christian music. Okay. I want to remove Christian music off the table. Good. So, Good Jessica, job. we're moving. <laughs> what? She's on. Okay. Yep. Removing Christian music off the table. What genre of music would you listen to the rest of your life? Why are we removing gospel? <sighs> because that's the cop-out answer that everybody around this table is, well, if I have to listen to something and I go to church and they play music and I die. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, so Fine. Country. Ben? If you say death metal, I'm coming across this table. <laughs> Why? That's what I was going to do. No. Um, it would, I would listen to... Uh, like blues rock, like the Stevie Ray Vaughan, uh-huh. Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, that, I think that's what I listen to. Dina's thinking about this way too. <laughs> well, okay, so I always listen to a plethora. Oh my gosh. Of different, like my playlists are so ADHD. They are. But that's because I can't listen to one specific one all day. So you're going to die. But going <laughs> to die. I really like. I don't know. I like pop. And like the dance kind of like, oh, you're you know, a Swifty, the, aren't you? You're a Taylor Swifty. Eh, she's all right. And then um, I also really like um, Celtic music and like the older style, like, you know, instrumental pieces as well. You know, so you're not answering the question. What would you listen to One for the rest genre. of your life? <laughs> Like, what's the average? I think I'm just going to die. All right, Dina's dead. <laughs> <All right. laughs> ben, ben is sad. Can I pray her back the, to life? What's no. the average genre on your playlist? Like, the average, like, the most songs on your playlist? 90s pop. Okay. Probably. Who's the who's the band that, that's on there the most? I don't know. Spice Girls. Tell you what I want, what I want, what I want. I was really thinking you was going to say Disney music, but okay. Uh, uh, it's all right. I can only listen to it for so long. How, when you, well, Before have, I want to go on some adventure. Have children and it'll make you want to bash your head against the wall. I would say, yeah, country music, but not today's garbage. I'm talking like 2000s and below. Don't break my heart. My achy, break your heart. Hey, he was from my hometown, okay? 
I know. That explains a lot. It, <laughs> it is the case. So uh, that is my favorite. You know what? Billy Ray Cyrus. Thank you guys for listening to the Altered Podcast, and I hope you all had a happy Easter. Uh, sorry that our weeks were so crazy, so busy, but... We should be back on schedule, at least for a while. Releasing on Tuesdays. I think after this, we have to talk about the Great Commission. Yeah. So that I think that just per- goes in perfect with what is going on. So we chat about the Great Commission, then we can jump back into whatever other series we've not finished yet. All right. <laughs> see you guys. Thank you for listening to the Altered Podcast. Be sure to join us next week for a brand new episode. Also, be sure to join us on the Altered Podcast Facebook page for updates and other cool content. See you next week.